Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Game Changers, a podcast designed to give you a peek behind the curtain at some of your favorite sports personalities. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. My fantasy sports career began when I saw a tweet from Fantasy Pros that it was accepting applications to join its news desk. And as I began meeting new people in the space, both in fantasy sports and just sports generally, the same question kept coming back to me. How did these people get here? How'd they go from being a banker or a coffee barista or an orchestra conductor to be someone who does what they do? Now, each year at Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros, we have hundreds of analysts from around the industry contribute their rankings, picks, and mock drafts to our sites. And for this, our inaugural episode of Game Changers, I really wanted to have on one of those analysts who was truly a trailblazer, someone who is universally admired and respected by his or her peers, someone who everybody breaking into our industry tries to emulate and hopes to be like one day. Unfortunately, none of those analysts was available, so I went with Plan B, <laughs> and I invited Brad Evans to join me. I was lucky enough for him to accept. Brad, thank you for coming on. Our first guest, how are you doing? Uh, I have never been the person out of the box, I think, on an inaugural episode for any endeavor in the history of the world, so I am extremely flattered uh, to be invited and have such an esteemed honor uh, but I will ruin this show here in short order. So hopefully this podcast will continue to live after my existence on it. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure on you. But at the same time, it's no pressure on you because there's nothing to compare you to. I mean, you are going to it's set true. the bar for all future guests. And again, one of the reasons is we figured we'll set the bar real low. You know, you can tip everybody else can tiptoe over it and you'll you'll be doing everybody else, all future guests a favor. You know yeah, I appreciate that. It's like, you know, going to the gym for the first time and you're intimidated by the bench and you just do the single bar and you can only do like one or two reps on it. Uh, and then, you know, after about a month, you're adding plates. And, and then next thing you know, you're half Thor Bjornsson. Cool. And you're deadlifting like 1,100 pounds and breaking world records in the process. Well, considering I've never been to the gym, I'll take your word for it. And I hope <laughs> that if I ever do go, I will start slow, just as you're recommending. Out of curiosity, Brad, we're going to get into sort of, you know, your background, of course, and how you get into this. But I'm just wondering, you've been in the space for a while. Of course, you are a true trailblazer, a game changer, if you will, in this industry. Have you ever experienced anything like what we're going through, anything you can compare to with the entire lack of sports, you're going through your own journey, of course, which we'll, we'll get through there. But just in terms of, I mean, providing content, which you are still doing, you're a, an incredible Twitter follow over at Noisy Huevos. You're as active as ever. But I mean, is there anything in your experience, in your time in this industry that you can compare what we're going to now to that? Yeah, I am going through the journey of puberty as we speak. So <laughs> at 42 years young, but no, in all seriousness, never. I mean, this is unprecedented territory. These are uncharted waters that we are trying to navigate day in, day out. Uh, you know, maybe the country is going to be forced open. Uh, it's kind of looks like uh, the direction things are going right now. Maybe we're going to have Major League Baseball by July. Uh, that's the scuttlebutt uh, that's making the rounds right now on social media with the players uh, being designated as, hey, get ready, get in shape. Uh, could be spring training, too, here imminently in Arizona and in Florida and, and other parts unknown. So, no, I mean, I, everything just stopped. You know, the world just grinded to a halt. And for me, it was very odd because, you know, one of my specialties is covering the NCAA tournament. You know, I love college basketball. I love wagering on it. Um, I love playing DFS college basketball. I, I do bracketology. I used to do it for Yahoo Sports for 14 years. I uh, did it, you know, basically for my social media audience this year uh, on a Google Doc of all things. And I was, you know, raring to go. Uh, to start the NCAA tournament, you know, conference tournaments had just gotten underway. The big boys were ready to tip off. And, you know, I'm a big, big 10 guy, huge University of Illinois fan. I'm sitting there ready to watch Rutgers first game of the big 10 conference tournament. 
And then all of a sudden the guy is coming out of the court and then they were directed to go back to their locker rooms. And that was all she wrote. Cause you know, we kind of saw it. There was the bellwether the night before in the NBA and I'm watching Scott Van Pelt, you know, cover it effortlessly on the fly on ESPN on sports center. And it was just one of the wildest, most upside down things I had ever seen. And here we are now months later, uh, still in the doldrums of the sports world, but uh, there was light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm hoping we get back in business here in short order. Yeah, I started as the editor-in-chief we were talking before we got on uh, in February, and uh, I'll be honest, this was not in the playbook. I, I had a lot of things that I was ready for. I was not ready for the complete stoppage of all sports. Obviously, it's a footnote in what the entire country is dealing with, but yep. I think the one yep. thing, and I'm sure you'd agree with me here, when it comes back, whenever it is, hopefully, as you mentioned, baseball, you've got these rumors of it coming back in July, that Whenever it comes back, fantasy sports and sports gambling. I know you're in Colorado, right? So yep. you just, just got just now, right, with sports gambling? Yeah, May 1st, and my, I already placed a wager. Actually, uh, two. I missed on my first one, so hashtag pay the noise, naturally. I had Andy Dalton go into the Jacksonville Jaguars a plus 175. Inexplicably, he signs uh, for a team that wasn't even on the board yeah. at, at DK or FanDuel or points better or whoever with the Dallas Cowboys staying at home there being a TCU guy. Uh, but I also have a 30-1 to wager on Keyshawn Vaughn to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, and it was turnkey. It's all mobile in this state. It's mm -hmm. brilliant. This is going to be a major proving ground for how successful this model can be. And if it you know, blasts off to Jupiter, which I expect it will, I think you're going to see California and some other states that have yet to legalize, much like the marijuana industry, they're going to copycat what Colorado put in place. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in New Hampshire, and we've actually had it too with DraftKings uh, for a while now, which... I love and that Vaughn bet. Uh, probably, you know, a, couple, a week earlier, you probably could have gotten some crazy odds on that one. I Ninety imagine. to one at yeah. FanDuel, mm -hmm. just three days before yeah, they, you know, yeah. press the on switch, absolutely. and naturally, then I got a thirty-one. But I'm still happy with the value there. No, absolutely, and it, and it continues to go down. But anyway, let's get into what we're here for. Let's let's start just you know with your background a bit. I don't need a painful story about your teenage years, or I mean, I'll allow that <laughs> if you would like to go. To, but generally, you know, where you're from, what you saw yourself doing as a kid, where you were before you got into the fantasy sports world to start. Yeah, well, I, you know, I was a, a, not a military brat, but I moved around quite a bit. Uh, my dad was a, a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, so was born in California, lived in San Antonio, Texas for a while, then moved to Champaign, Illinois, of all places, uh, where my mother was from. My dad was in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, you know, I was a big follower of the University of Illinois sports because of my parents, even when I was living in Tejas in San Antonio. And, you know, I just grew up loving basketball, grew up loving sports and, you know, overall period. You know, I, I love the NFL. I was a big Houston Oilers fan as a kid, surrounded by a bunch of Dallas Cowboys losers back in the day. And they were kind of the black sheep, if you will, uh, of Texas. But, you know, those run and shoot teams with Warren Moon. Hayward Jeffries, uh, they were a ton of fun. Lorenzo White to watch. Uh, so I really fell in love with football then. The 85 Bears, of course, uh, I followed religiously as well. And I grew up a huge Chicago Cubs fan, played baseball all the way up, all the way up until my high school years. Um, and then, you know, I stuck around in Champaign, went to the University of Illinois, uh, met my wife there, uh, who, you know, I'd been married to for, uh, you know, over a decade and a half. Uh, we've got two beautiful children. And, you know, I started as a teacher, believe it or not, uh, in Champaign. Uh, my degree is uh, in history with secondary education. I'm a minor, so I, I taught at-risk students at the high school level at the Ready Program in Champaign, Illinois. 
And, you know, it, it was a challenge. Uh, these are kids that were typically ill fits for mainstream education. Uh, some of them were in and out of the, the judicial system, um, you know, hoping they would show up on a routine basis. So, again, it had its obstacles, but I really enjoyed the gig, and I did that for six years until I stumbled across an article by Matthew Berry on Roto World, and then it changed my entire career path tenfold. But yeah, uh, that's kind of the walk, genesis. Walk, th- walk through that. Walk through that for a minute because, you know, again, I, I mentioned I, I started in this. I was a lawyer, and I started in this by, you know, randomly seeing a tweet from Fantasy Pros being like, oh, yeah, that, that looks fun. Obviously, this is way later than the time frame you're talking about. I assume, what are you, in the mid-2000s at this point? Yeah, so that was, uh, so Talented Mr. Roto was 2004 when we got off the ground. And that was, uh, you know, conceived by Matthew Berry. And how, how that all started was, it was very benign, very simple uh, in terms of the task itself. I was, it was during a prep period for me. And again, I was a teacher at uh, at risk high school in Champaign, Illinois. And, you know, I'm, I'm meandering about on the internet, hopping out of Road World, trying to sort through some player news, uh, to prepare for a fantasy baseball draft that I had upcoming in the month of March. So, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be closing for the Toronto Blue Jays so I can, you know, steal them later on in the, uh, in the draft and hopefully get 25, 30 saves out of them, not kill my ERA and whip in the process. <laughs> and I saw Barry's article, clicked on it. You know, this is before, ESPN Matthew Barry. This right. is the Matthew Barry who is just cutting his teeth in the fantasy industry, who is writing some, you know, sketchy movies in Hollywood. <laughs> and I think, you know, I think Matthew would describe it as that, you know, Razzie nominated Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Sure. Uh, you know, he, he wrote the script for that. Uh, he contributed to, you know, some episodes like Married with Children and some other endeavors that were out there. But I never read anything by Barry before. Uh, I don't remember the hook of the article, but it must have been a damn good one. Uh, because it sucked me in. I clicked on it. It was long, like many Barry articles are. So I just kind of get down, jump down to the meat and potatoes at the bottom. And then at the footer of it, it said, hey, uh, if you're of like fantasy mind, I'm starting a Yahoo group site. Now, people be like, what the hell is Yahoo groups? Well, it was kind of like Reddit before Reddit, where people would gather of similar interests of a similar ilk, and he would just exchange ideas on a message board. That's all it is. And so he recruited a bunch of people to go over there. I was one of them. I was compelled by it. I found it interesting. I was engrossed and I started replying to people with their questions and their comments. And, you know, a couple of weeks went by and Barry came to me, you know, in a private message and said, Hey, I like your responses. Seem like you know what you're talking about. You got some really cogent thoughts. Can you write? And I said, Can I write? All I did in college was drink and write. He was a history major, right? So uh, I, he goes, I can't pay you, but I'm going to start this site called TalentedMrRoto.com. And that's how I, had, how I officially entered the industry. And there were a number of other you know, starving writers out there who got their start in the industry through this site. Christopher Harris, one of them, of course. Uh, Andy Behrens as well. Pierre Beckway, who now runs fantasy content for ESPN.com. So it uh, really propelled uh, and created an entire new branch, an entire new pillar of the industry in, in terms of just in-depth, in interesting infotainment, that kind of content and, you know, that delivery system online. So that's how I got my start. And so are you getting paid for it at this point when you no, first jumped into this? No, no this is purely volunteer based. Yep. Yeah, all okay. gratis. I was still teaching. And then, you know, I come home and, you know, I'd sit down on the couch and watch some uh, MTV classic, essentially, and, mm-hmm. and then bang out, you know, a couple thousand words on whatever, you know, baseball subject matter it was or football. Uh, my first column was called Drinking Beers in the Cheat Seat, uh, Cheat <laughs> Seats, if I can get that out. Um, and that 
was all fantasy baseball. It wasn't even football. Yeah. So th- that's that was kind of the inception of what eventually became the big noise, and that was a nickname I had since high school. So it wasn't something I acquired later or I gave it to myself. Somebody gave it to me because naturally I'm a sheepish fellow. <laughs> and, Obviously. I mean, that's yeah. the one thing that jumps out about you. Yeah, clearly, clearly. And, um, you know, the site exploded. And then within two years, you know, we, we had sold draft kits to much success. I, we started making a little bit of money. Uh, I was getting paid maybe a hundred bucks a month at that. I mean, it wasn't really paying the bills. It was just more of a hobby that, uh, you know, turned into a supplement of income. And then eventually Yahoo came calling. Uh, Brandon Funson was running Yahoo Sports Fantasy at the time. Uh, approached Matthew Barry and said, Hey, give me your three best guys. I'd like to interview them. Uh, Barry was gracious enough to offer me up along with Christopher Harris and another guy named Dave Young. We interviewed Harris and I ended up getting the gig. Uh, and then the rest of the guys went to ESPN. Well, you know, like six months later, once the sale of TalentedMrRoto.com was completed, and then, of course, the evolution of TMR on ESPN began, and then my path diverted to Yahoo. And that's so, basically it. That was 14 years ago. Once you went to Yahoo, that's a full-time position then? Yeah, yeah, that was a full-time. Well, no, let me take that back. It wasn't. It was contractual work for the first year. So I was still teaching Okay. while I was writing for Yahoo on the side. And then I was like, all right, I need to go all in on this. And I went to Dave Morgan, who's running Yahoo Sports at the time. Really a legend in the sports media business. He's the one that hired Dan Wetzel and Charles Robinson and you know some of these iconic voices now that are part of the sports media vernacular in that world. And you know, Dave said, hey, you want to come on full-time? I said, that'd be great. Here's what I want. He's like, done. And then I went full-time. Out of curiosity, was there any pushback? from your wife. And I may be talking about personal experience when I sort of left a lengthy, you know, a a career in the law that I built up for a while and then said, you know what, this is something I'm going to do. This is something I'm going to pursue. Now, my wife obviously signed off. But for me, it took a little convincing, like regardless of the any financial implications. It was more about the complete change of this being something that I was doing on the side, a little maybe extra vacation money, a little something for Christmas gifts for the kids to something where I'm now going to be doing this as a career. Was it full on? Everybody was game for it or did it take some convincing? Uh, I mean, there was some reluctance. Uh, there was some hesitancy. Um, you know, there was a, a bit of uncertainty about the industry as a whole. Is this something that you can make money and in, into perpetuity? You know, right. is this is going to be a short-lived gig. You know, it was still a fledgling industry. It was still fresh. It was still relatively new. Now, obviously, with the advent of broadband connections, it really expanded and exploded quickly. Uh, because everybody, you know, went from their pad and paper and, and, you know, doing box scores by hand for their fantasy matchups every Sunday on a 14-4 connection to, oh, wow, we've got all these awesome commissioner tools mm-hmm. that are available across the board, whether it's with Yahoo or CBS or ESPN. And it was just lightning quick internet access. Uh, so it made, you know, the process simplified. You know, I, I saw a path. I knew that, you know, given the, uh, the amount of time spent that people would put in to fantasy, knowing that it usually catered to, you know, middle class, upper middle class, you know, even the wealthy as well. I mean, generally speaking, these are people with disposable income. They're well off that, you know, this thing would probably have some longevity. Uh, but she, yeah, she she was hesitant at first and it, it did take some convincing. You know, should we go away from the, the, the teaching gig and chase this uh, full time? But, you know, eventually it was convincing enough. And, and here we are today. So you go into, you know, you you start working for Yahoo and you're doing, I assume, both fantasy baseball and fantasy football at this time? 
Yeah, I was doing baseball and football, and I was not. I was playing fantasy basketball. It was one of the first fantasy sports I actually played, but I was not creating content for that sport. So it was just exclusively baseball and football. And at that time, uh, fantasy football, I think you had roughly 4 million players or so at Yahoo. Mm-hmm. So drop the bucket compared to what it is today. And baseball, baseball was actually the second best or second highest in terms of membership among fantasy sports. And baseball's around probably two, two and a half million players, and that has dropped off dramatically since. Yeah. yeah. So how do you go then, out of curiosity, because already the journey from being just a teacher to fantasy sports is pretty, you know, intriguing generally, but you're not just fantasy sports. When when people think about you, at least when I ever thought about you, it was not just limited to fantasy sports. It, of course, evolved. March Madness is huge yep. with you, sports yep. gambling. So how yep. do we then get from fantasy sports to that area? Well, I was always doing, um, you know, college basketball content when I was at TalentedMrRoto.com. I actually had a draft kit, kind of a bracket tools guide, if you will, uh, breaking down some of the matchups, scouting reports of all the major teams. So I was already immersed in that world. You know, growing up in Champaign, Illinois, and being a fan of the University of Illinois basketball team, you know, it was pretty easy to become a fan of the sport overall, uh, knowing the products that uh, the Illinois Fighting Illini were churning out in the late 90s and early 2000s. So, you know, I've, I've always been somebody that has, has followed that uh, sport very closely. Uh, so for me, and when Rivals came on early during my tenure at Yahoo Sports, uh, then it became really easy, you know, because there was the crossover there with the college sports world. Uh, I began, you know, creating some content for the the joined uh, partnership of, of Yahoo and Rivals. Uh, then it eventually became a full-time bracketologist for Yahoo Sports uh, starting in 2008. Uh, took okay. a little pushing and convincing with the powers that be at the sure. time. Uh, but we got there and, you know, I, I still do that now. It's one of my favorite things to do every single year. And it, it just really lines up well on the calendar uh, because you go to the end of the uh, NFL season and immediately jump in in February to people having peak interest in college basketball. And then you go and, of course, the NCAA tournament, which is then the biggest betting event of the year. So for me, you know, I started off betting with my grandfather. He owned a lumber yard in Champaign, Hillcrest Lumber, uh, rest in peace. And he would, uh, he would come home, you know, I would spend summers with my grandparents, uh, and then eventually we moved there full time and I was living with my grandparents for a little bit, uh, in the seventh and eighth grade. And I remember my, my grandfather, you know, he would bring home the pools when I was a little kid and hanging out with them. Like I was 10 years old. Uh, and then all the way up until my middle school days, $2 entry against the spread every single game. He goes, I'll bankroll it. You pick the games. And I won a lot, you know, and for me, it's like, he would give me all the money too. He'd be like, oh, here's, you know, here's 28 bucks and 28 bucks, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, yeah. bought you a lot of, that bought you a lot of 89 upper deck packs Darn at right. the card shop, you know, yeah. trying to get that Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Yeah. So for me, you know, that was kind of my foray into sports betting. And then kind of grew from there. And of course I filled out, you know, bracket sheets all the time, every March and, and then dabbled, of course, in the illegal market. In the early two thousands, what? 2000s, uh, what? Oh, well, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. How I, dare you, I, sir? I, seriously, crossing the line. I'm a hardened criminal, very clearly, and you know, did some of that online for a little while, and and have been dabbling ever since. But now I can do it legally the best. in Colorado. It's wonderful. Yeah, the best. No, I love it. Well, let let's get into very quickly now because 
things are developing and and look you are it's no secret you're no longer with yahoo and and you're going to be doing some good things what's the future cuz i you know i i've seen you and i've seen you sort of talk about your vision for what it should look like now especially with sports gambling in particular but what's your vision sort of if you could create the perfect sort of content wise going forward considering sports gambling or fantasy sports or whatever what does it look like what does the future of the industry necessarily look like yeah it's all hybrid content you know it's it's playing to the overlap between fantasy players and sports betters and if this research is out there uh, we've seen it as high as uh, 71, 72% uh, of the fantasy football players polled or just fantasy sports players polled by Ipsos and whether or not they have either placed a wager in the last year or or planning to place a wager in the upcoming year. So there's obviously interest there. There's there's some educational hurdles that we have to cross and we got to figure that out because, uh, you know, you're in a brand new market. It's not like the European market where, you know, gambling's been around and, and like, England, for example, for decades, right. and you know, people grew up in that world. They they get the jargon, they get the lingo, they understand what a parlay is, they understand what a teaser is, they understand what a line, a total, a spread, whatever it is, a player prop, and you know, there are challenges there. So a lot of these betting houses, you know, it's it's brand awareness blitz right now, uh, just trying to get the name out there. That's why DraftKings and FanDuel have such a leg up in the marketplace because of fantasy sports. And again, that crossover between the two sides, playing in both of those buckets. So I think the great conduit in uh, our universe is through player props uh, because, you know, that appeals to the fantasy player. You know, it's quantifiable. For example, over under Aaron Jones, 0.5 touchdowns this weekend against the Chicago Bears. Will he find the end zone? If he bet the over, then he's going to you know, cross a chalk for six at least one time. Uh, if you bet the under, then he's going to be shut out of the end zone for that particular matchup. That's appealing to the fantasy player. Yeah, you know, I, I got Aaron Jones on my team. I'm right. very supportive of him. I follow him. I love him. I'm going to put you know an Andy Jackson on him scoring a touchdown this week at minus 110, um, which means you know he'd have to put down 22 to win 20 in return. And so that's appealing to the fantasy player because it, it plays to their stars, it plays to their guys, and it's easy to follow because it's black and white through quantification. And it also plays into the sports better because it's something they can wager on. And if they feel like they have an advantage and, you know, based on their modeling, based on their algorithms, based on, you know, whatever they're crunching, they think that Aaron Jones has a 66% chance of splashing six against the Chicago Bears, then, you know, that's a, a sound wager. It's a likely thing to happen. So it's worth firing off on. So I, I think creating content around that concept is going to be imperative as things evolve in the marketplace. And, and, you know, just content in general, you know, having websites are going to play to both those parties, uh, having video products or television products to play to both of those parties, whatever it is, audio projects as well. Uh, you got to really tap in and strike a nerve with not only the fantasy player, but also the sports better because you're opening yourself up from a 60 million base of players with fantasy football in general to then what, 110, 120 million. People right. overall with sports betters being roped in. All right. So the last thing I really want to know is this. You started at a time where, you know, really fantasy sports, I won't say fantasy sports generally was in its infancy, but what it looks like today is kind of in its infancy. What, you know, I get a lot of people because I run the news desk. So I got a lot of people who have never written uh, about fantasy sports or done anything who want to break into the industry. What sort of advice would you give people now in this space? Because, you know, with you, there, there really weren't 
many options, frankly, and you, you kind of stumbled on to probably the best one at the time. What advice would you give to people now who don't really have experience in the industry but want to eventually break in? Yeah, I talk uh, to college students all the time about this. I usually drive up to to Boulder and talk at the University of Colorado to their their sports journalism uh, school every year, and you know I get asked this constantly. And you know the one thing first and foremost you got to have is versatility. You got to be a Swiss Army knife in this day and age. You know if you go to an employer, let's say you're the world's greatest writer, they're not going to hire you. Now if you're a good writer who can also speak behind a mic and you have some on camera experience. Then you become more interesting because everything is multi-platform. It's cross-platform. So you have to be able to, you know, be a diverse voice. And if you're unable to do that, then you're not going to be as attractive to an employer because they're going to want to try to utilize uh, and, and you in all facets and really tap into your overall skill set. So, again, uh, you got to have versatility. Um, you don't want to have all those position eligibilities uh, at your disposal. Uh, the other thing is, you know, finding your own voice. You know, one of the things that I learned very early on in my writing career in particular was when I write a Brad Evans article, I want it to convey that it's me immediately. You read the first ah, two paragraphs, maybe five, six lines. You're going to know, oh, you know, without looking at the byline, this is a Brad Evans piece. I know immediately, you know, whatever the hook is, whatever the buzzwords you like to use, whatever the structure is, you have to find your own voice. Otherwise, you're going to become a part of the flock and you're not going to stand out to anyone. doesn't mean you have to be like, look at me, look at me. Now I'm going to rank Cam Akers number one among all the running backs this year. Ah, the Bulls, the Bull takes. Hashtag Team Wavos. You know, I, I'm kind of guilty of that from time to time. Sure. Like all of us, right? Mm-hmm. But you, if, if you do believe that, then by all means follow it, but you have to back it up with statistical evidence. You have to back it up with sound reasoning. Otherwise, people are going to read immediately through your BS. Yeah. And and the third thing that I always tell uh, the college kids, just be authentic, be genuine, be you. Don't be a character. Don't be a caricature. What you see is what you get with me. <laughs> you hang out with me, wherever it is. You know, it could be some random watering hole in Poughkeepsie, New York. You know, it could be, uh, you know, we bump into each other on a street corner here in Littleton, Colorado. Wherever it is, you know, what you see is what you get with me. And I always stay true to myself and I always tell aspiring writers to to be the same. So that way you're going to be more attractive uh, to suitors, going to be more attracted to a general audience. And and the other and I guess the last thing I should always say too is this, never take yourself too seriously. Yes. You know, and and that's that's one thing that it's hard to do. It is. It is an arduous task to stick to in this social media age because people are coming at you all the time. Uh you know, they they got the gloves strapped on, they're ready to throw some haymakers at you. You got to be able to duck. You got to be able to roll with those punches if they land. And you got to fire back and have some fun, right? Yep. And you also got to be transparent in everything that you do. Because otherwise, if you're not, uh, you know, people are going to be like, this person, you know, I, I can't relate to them, you know, because I'm a human and I make mistakes. They make mistakes too. They should own up to that. And I do that all the time. Uh, hashtag mandatory Montgomery. <laughs> hashtag fantasy fail <laughs> for me last year. Yeah. But I mean, but those are some things that, you know, really, uh, I try to adhere to. I try to live by constantly. 
And uh, so far, so good. Uh, I'm still around and kicking in this industry. Yeah, I think it's worked for you. I think it's worked for you for sure. Uh, it's great advice. And certainly authenticity, I think, above all, is really what it needs to be. That's how I tried to be when I started. That's certainly how you've been. And I think that's really uh, where things end. It's great advice for anybody who wants to break into the industry. And your story is great. And that's how it happens so often now for people. It's sort of this luck that they they don't plan to necessarily do this for the rest of their lives, but they stumble into it. Something happens, they see an ad or something. And before you know it, you know, they through hard work and dedication and just, you know, authenticity, essentially, they are able to make it happen. So I'm really glad to hear your story. It's what I kind of expected to hear from you, which is essentially a combination really of of hard work, uh, good work, and a little luck that you happen to see, yeah. you know, things, right? That. that That's yeah. what it is. It, it, that's a part of everybody's story in the end. And, and a whole lot of hustle. Yes. Uh, that's the other thing, too. And I was just going to speak anecdotally. You know, Matt Harmon is is a prime example. This Liz Lozo to a certain extent as well. Uh, we brought it at Yahoo Sports. I mean, Matt Harmon, he, nobody knew who the hell he was. He was a kid in his early 20s. And uh, he was not real happy with his life and his direction and, and everything that he was doing at that time. And he just came up with this idea, which eventually became Reception Perception. Right. Right? Yeah. And he carved out this niche and then parlayed that into a gig eventually with the NFL. And then, of course, Yahoo and, and my cohorts, we hired him away. Liz Loza was uh, an aspiring actress in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Uh, who spoke about fantasy sports on the side. You know, I stumbled across some of her work uh, that she had contributed. I think it was like to Athlon magazine. She had written some things for Andy Barron's, who was overseeing that uh, at that moment. And I was pretty impressed. And, you know, very few female voices at that time in the industry. And, uh, you know, I told my Yahoo bosses, hey, we need to we need to have a strong female fantasy football voice because this is a growing sector of the business. And we got to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, this this group of people has somebody they can relate to, you know, and and they agreed and we brought her in and she crushed it. And now, you know, she's one of the lead talents of Yahoo Sports. So, you know, everybody has their path and you just got to work for it. You got to, you know, strive. You got to never say no. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, can you write for me for free like Matthew Perry? Right. Or, hey, uh, can you you know do this radio interview for a local station? Don't say no to that. You know, he's got to keep grinding and eventually, you know, doors will open up and people will notice the industry is big, but it's still a kind of a small collection of individuals. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody and they do read other people in many cases and the administrators certainly read and know other people's work. And you never know that could resonate with somebody in power. And next thing you know, an opportunity arises and you're the next person up. So something to always consider and how really this business works. And, and really that applies to any business anyone is in. No, absolutely. It's great stuff. Well, look, we've got one more small segment that I want to get to before we go. But before we get there, I want to let everybody know that we're going to give away a signed Devontae Adams Packers helmet. Yes, very Ooh. exciting. I know yeah, Aaron Rodgers, like lone wide receiver to throw to. Uh, all you need to do to be entered into our contest is leave a review for the show. It's a new show, so you know reviews kind of help us get off the ground. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send a screenshot of that review to GameChangers at FantasyPros.com. That is it. Piece of cake. You help us get off the ground. You have a chance to win a signed Devontae Adams helmet. All right, Brad. So unfortunately for our listeners, I have been afforded complete total editorial control over the content <laughs> of this podcast. So Each week, we are going to end on a segment that I have named The Blitz. Now, I need a way. We talked about it. You're setting the bar high. I think high. uh, But I need a way to evaluate 
our guests. Like, you're obviously the best guest we've ever had, but how do I know if that's going to hold up? Nothing so, to measure it against. Exactly. So there you go. I, need, I need some sort of measuring stick. So what I'm going to do here is at the end of every show, I'm going to ask our guests 10 questions. Okay, it's going to be a mix of random questions that I've selected just for you, and you are going to get a score at the end of it, which is going to be used as a barometer to judge you against all future guests. All right, that sound good? Ah, sounds great. Let's do it. Now, look, be forewarned, though, okay? I'm the final arbiter of whether your answer is correct or not, okay? I've been no arguing. I can deduct points. I haven't left my house in like eight weeks. I'm not in the most stable frame of mind, all right? So let's get ready. Are you ready, Brad? I am ready. The inaugural version of the Blitz starts now. If you could choose anyone in the world, who would be your top choice for someone to face in a three-round exhibition boxing match? Anyone in the world? Anyone, living or dead, whatever you want. Uh, well, dead would be great because I'm already a corpse, so I think I would probably be able to win that one pretty damn easily. Um, wow. To be clear, the person wouldn't be dead when you box them. Okay, just, just so they'd be, be reanimated. Correct, exactly. Uh, this is going to be a crazy answer, but I would just want to get in the ring to see how many times I could punch this person in the head. And how much they could absorb. And, and granted, I'm probably not throwing Fist of Fury here, but it's Butterbean. <laughs> Butterbean. Yeah, you know what? That's the correct answer. Very good. <laughs> one, one for one. All right, I'm one for one. What was your worst ever gambling beat? Oh, my God. I've had so many over the years. Uh, I remember uh, there was a game that I was watching. I think it was a UNLV game. I think Anthony Bennett was still with UNLV at the time. And, of course, he was the number one overall pick, one of the biggest busts in NBA draft history. And I want to say they were playing, like, Colorado State, some Mountain West school, maybe New Mexico. It was probably New Mexico because New Mexico was a powerhouse at this time. And Bennett steps down the floor, meaningless half-court chuck at the buzzer, drained it, and I lost the uh, the cover because I had New Mexico. And what year was that, roughly? Uh, Probably about 10, 12 years ago. All right, I'm going to give you that one, too, because that's a while ago, and it's stuck with you, obviously, for this long. Uh, I can't confirm, necessarily, that that was your worst ever gambling beat, but considering... Uh, it's in the running, for sure. It's in there. It's in there. I'm going to give it to you. Number three, name three astronauts, at least two of which have walked on the moon. Uh, Balls Aldrin, mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. Third this one. is where it gets tough. Everybody knows those two. Any astronauts, people who have been in space for, you know, 60 years. <sighs> uh, I, I mean, I... I know Ed White, but he didn't walk on the moon. But it does. Only two of them had to walk on the moon. Oh, yeah, you got them. I got it. Ed White. You got it. Go. Ed White. First man to walk in space. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Would you rather be able to accurately predict the outcome of every sporting event, but not be able to profit from it in any way or be allowed to bet as often as you want without knowing the outcome, but only on curling? Uh, definitely the latter. Sweet herd, okay. herd. <laughs> oh my God, you know curling. All right, you definitely get it. Uh, who has the most lost fumbles in NFL history? The most lost fumbles in NFL history. If you get this one, I'm I'm calling cheating. But go ahead. Uh, I'm trying to think here. It's probably not a running back. I'm going to say it's a quarterback. And uh, it, this is not the right answer. But he had small hands, and he had a fumble issue for a long time. It almost killed his career before he had another resurrection. In Arizona, Kurt Warner. But that's not the right answer. No, it is not the right answer. It's the first one you got wrong. The correct answer is Brett Favre. Oh, Favre. 62. Yep, Favre. Same era. Know. I know. Same era. All right, who who would be your dream fantasy team co-owner if you could pick one and why? 
dream fantasy co-owner if i could I tell you what one. you can go living or dead here too i mean don't go corpse but you can go living or dead here too well I, you know i worship uh the chicago bears from 1985 and for me it doesn't get any better than sweetness walter payton so if walter and i could run that sucker together uh i would be totally doubt uh, a consolation prize if walter could not be resurrected and uh, i could go back to the 85 version of this individual it'd definitely be jim mcmahon because yeah. man, we would. You want to talk about draft night? You would sit there. You would be doing every drug on the table. You'd be pounding every beer imaginable. Uh, it would be a party to remember. We probably would draft the crappiest team in the history of fantasy football. Uh, but I would remember every second of that draft. I think. Yeah. To be to be clear, Jim McMahon is the correct answer. And even though he wasn't <laughs> your first, I'm gonna let him let him be a correct answer. Number, that's five out of six so far. This is whew, we're setting the bar high. Okay, the most common final score in NFL history is 20 to 17. Mm. What is the second most common final NFL score? 20 to 17 is the most common. And we, I mean, obviously, we've had a plethora of points here in recent years. So I would probably go lower. 20 to 17 is the most common. I'm going to say 17 to 14. Ooh, add 10 points to both, and you'd be right. It's no kidding, that high. 27, 24, 211 times in NFL history. Mm. So, unfortunately, that is an incorrect answer, but you hopefully can bounce back here. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, God. Uh, there's a ton of them. Obviously, like, laser vision would be up there. Uh, the ability to disappear would be amazing. Uh, to you know, become like transparent, we could like walk through walls you know, with like ectoplasmic capabilities. Uh, but flying, flying would be it. I would save a bundle in terms of yeah. airplane tickets, just let alone right there. Uh, I think flying has to be number one on the list. That's a good answer. It's not the correct answer, unfortunately. I was looking actually for the ability to parallel park perfectly every single time. So it's all right. Look, I own a large vehicle, and it's a pain I, in the ass. So I would That's agree. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You need the superpower ability to parallel park perfectly. Okay, not counting the base, how tall is the Rocky statue located outside oh the Philadelphia Museum of Are we talking in feet? Yeah, we're talking in feet, and I will accept an answer within one foot of the actual height, not the base. So just the actual, just the actual Rocky. statue on top correct. of the base. Correct, sir. Mm. Within one foot of the actual height will be deemed a correct answer. Uh, I am going to say it is seven feet one inch. Oh my god, you were so close! It's eight and a half feet. That is not within one foot oh. of the actual height. But that was a really good guess. I think I guessed like 24 feet or something no, ridiculous. No, I mean, because you, you when, you, when you take out the base, so you don't have the pedestal there that it's sitting on, it's yeah. probably shorter than it really is. I didn't yeah. realize it was over eight feet, though. So, I know, yeah. eight and a half feet. So that is unfortunately an incorrect answer. Okay, <clears throat> final question. Okay. And please remember with your answer to this question, we're, we're a family show. So complete the following sentence. If blank ever becomes a currency, I'll be rich. <laughs> Vietnamese dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness all right uh that's a real currency got, though it is a real currency. currency we're gonna deem it correct all right six out of ten for the first ever uh segment of the blitz that's a high score i'll be honest i predicted four so mm. six out of all ten right. very good all right very good i'll take it all right well you did not disappoint for our first episode as i expected tell everybody 
what you're up to right now, where they can find more of you and your work these days. Yeah, I'm hosting a show with uh, my former colleague and colleague again, Brandon Funston. Um, of course, we were at Yahoo Sports and one of that guy. You know, you, you can blame Brandon, him and Matthew Barry for me being in this business. But uh, we host a show together on SiriusXM Fantasy. Uh, every single Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern, it's called Fade the Noise. You can always follow me on Twitter, at Noisy Huevos, and I got a ton of other projects in the works, so stay tuned. Excellent. Well, I think I can speak on behalf of everybody that I really look forward to seeing what's next uh, for you. Now, one last thing before we go. I host a few different podcasts at this point, fantasy baseball, fantasy football, sports betting. I don't have a catchphrase yet to sign off. Like, I just end with, thanks for listening. Catch you next time. <laughs> and so I mentioned I was technically a lawyer. I'm kind of judging on the Blitz. I was thinking something like, thanks for listening. Courts adjourned. How do you feel about that? I, I could get down with it. I mean, okay. you're tapping into the law degree. At least you're using it, unlike my degrees. You know, I got a exactly. history degree, and I also have a master's in geoscience with an emphasis in meteorology. Yeah. So well, I'm really using that every day. You're definitely not making the most. Yeah, I'm sitting in a robe and an old English wig right now, actually, while we do this podcast. So you want to do me a favor? You want to set the bar high again? Why don't you be the you were inaugural guest? Why don't you be the inaugural person to take us out with the new goodbye phrase and just say something like, thanks for listening, everyone. Court is adjourned. Go ahead. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Court is adjourned. Nailed it.